Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another edition, another episode of the You in 22 series on Sopita for Your Spirit. Uh, I'm so excited. Today I have a dear friend of mine and scholar. Yeah. Dr. Mara Noemi Lopez. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited. So um, if you don't know, uh, I know Mara because she's a very dear friend. You're not just like some, I mean, you are really fancy with, <laughs> with work and what you do, but you're not just somebody I picked from the crowd. I was like, you know what? I need a home girl. I need somebody that is multifaceted, somebody that knows all the things that can get it done, but is also a good time. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me to to share a little bit about my story and what I do. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to share uh, bring you on, too, is because I know there are a lot of women in um, in the world that want to pursue higher education. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it feels really intimidating <clears throat> and it feels like a space that is unattainable, especially the older we get. People think like school is for the youngins and I got a life. I got kids. I got the whole thing. And then most women think, you know what? This is too hard. I got too much going on. What's the point? But your story is so unique and how you have gone from getting your bachelor's in 12 years to becoming a doctor. (laughs) I was like, all right, we need to bring Mara in for that inspiration that some women may need to pursue higher education if they've been thinking about it. So let's start by just telling us about you, like how you grew up, your college experience, Mm -hmm. you know, just the things that shaped you into the educator that you are. Yeah, so um, thank you so much. I, I completely agree. I think that sometimes higher ed can feel really daunting and um, the path to success can be really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I also think that we promote uh, predominantly one path, right? And so I'm, I'm considered a quote-unquote non-traditional student because, yeah, like you're right, it did take me about 12 years to finish my bachelor's degree. So I was born in Mexicali, Mexico, Mm -hmm. and I was raised in a small border town in California called the Imperial Valley. It's a really small town, um, and it's about a four-hour drive from here. I was a college athlete. I played volleyball, basketball, and softball uh, all through junior college. And then after that, I kind of um, maneuvered around the choppy waters of academia um, successfully and unsuccessfully. It took me 12 years to finish my bachelor's in psychology from San Diego State University. When I graduated, my daughter was six months old. Um, I kind of, you know, figured I'd keep going. So when I pursued my master's and graduated, my son was six months old. Around the time of me completing my master's, I kind of established my why. My why do I stay in academia? Why do I continue to do this work? I had already started working in research in about 2008, Um, I applied to uh, pursue my doctorate at ASU in educational leadership. I got in. And when I graduated in December defending my dissertation, my kids were four and seven years old. I've been in research now for over 14 years in academia for just as long. And 
that's that's a little bit about my academic mm-hmm. uh, journey. journey. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go back. You're saying that it took you 12 years to do your bachelor's, right? Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, that's like, holy cow, like mm-hmm. she was able to get through. First of all, why? what took you so long? Like what was it about that journey that took 12 years, you know? Because I yeah. think pe- it's important for people to hear this because then they hear what you went through and they're like, well, I went through that too and I could probably do what she did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I worked full time. I worked mm-hmm. full time, sometimes had a part-time job, sometimes two other part-time jobs. I paid for all of my undergraduate, um, you know, programming uh, out of pocket. So Mm -hmm. it took me a really long time. I took one class here, one class at a junior college. I went to like four different junior colleges because some of the classes were just cheaper. Mm. You know, I was also not maybe super confident in my academic pursuits. So I would go to class. I wouldn't talk to my professors. I would always sit in the back of the class. I would do the thing that I had to do and I would leave. I go to work. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't talk to any academic counselors, any career counselors. And um, and I just kind of left feeling like I was like a drop in the bucket. Mm. I was a little bit even embarrassed to walk in my bachelor's graduation because I felt like I was too old. Really? I How old were you when you graduated? I was 27, 28. OK. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which is not old at all. Not, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. Like the fact that you thought like you felt old, you know right. what I mean? But you're like also trying to build because you were married also, right? Yes, I had just gotten married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you're in the process of possibly starting a family mm-hmm. and like living mm-hmm. life and working hard and all that. So all those things were part of the, the journey, right? They, they were definitely a part of the journey. And I think that... Um, I had one mentor mm-hmm. who I had already been working in research for a couple of years at this point. And they were like, we have this opportunity for you to mentor other students. Mm. And I was like, oh, dope. Let me go do that. You know? Yeah. And my mentor was like, but you got to finish your degree. And I was like, God damn. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're like, really, oh, fine. You know, ponte las pilas. Like mm-hmm. really buckle down and do it. And I was like, okay, you know what? Finally, I felt like someone believed mm-hmm. that I could do it. I, mm-hmm. I felt like someone cared that I could do it. I also felt like I had an opportunity to show my soon-to-be students, mm-hmm. I can do it, you can do it, let's all do it. Mm-hmm. I graduated with some of my students. Mm. But by this time, I was already a research program manager, mm-hmm. and I felt just almost sometimes crippling imposter syndrome. I'm in these meetings, I'm the only manager without a degree, mm-hmm. but I was so passionate about my research, about working with students. At the time, I did public health research. And um, I think what changed for me was that I could see myself represented in the students that I was working with. Mm-hmm. I had a mentor that believed in me and helped and supported me. And and that encouraged me to continue going on in my higher education journey. So you get your bachelor's. Yeah. You're like, heck yeah, I got it. This thing yeah. that made me, that took me so long. What was the encouraging factor to keep going because I could see a lot of people like I got my bachelor's this took 12 years I'm done <laughs> like that's it you know what yeah. I mean so what kept you because then you went on to get your master's yeah I actually did feel that way I was like I hate school I'm just <laughs> doing this kind of begrudgingly um I graduated and I was like wow I did that mm-hmm. I did that I have a baby you know I'm working full-time let me see what I can do if I get my master's maybe I'll because a master's program is a little bit more um, subject specific, right? Mm-hmm. I got my master's in organizational leadership. I was really passionate about change, being a change agent. And the master's was going to help me do that. And so I pursued my master's. I got pregnant like maybe a couple months into that program. And everyone was like, oh, you should just drop out. You know, like you yeah. have a you have a toddler, you're pregnant, you're working full time. Mm-hmm. Maybe stop, yeah. you know? 
And I was like, I think I'm motivated a little bit by spite, you know, I'm just like <laughs> I get that. Oh. <laughs> You're going to tell me I can't do it. Let me show you how much I can. Yeah. Exactly. So I graduated with my master's and I was like, man, this feels so empowering. Um, I feel like I can really make a difference. I can really make an impact. I now have a, a baby and a toddler. Let me just, you know, yeah, sure. Maybe I had a wild hair in my ass and I was like, let me just keep going. Yeah. Um, and I did. I applied at ASU in their um, educational leadership and innovation program. I got in and I really and then I continue to work in research. I work in research now at ASU and I I have established my why. And, um, yeah, I, I've still heard a few, like, how do you do it? Why are you doing it? And mm-hmm. are your kids going to suffer because you are so committed to all these other things? And I feel like my, my children are a part of the journey. They're mm-hmm. not the burden that yeah. people say they are. They're an inspiration. I think that when I had my daughter, I was like, you know what? I can do this for her, too. Mm-hmm. When I got my master's, I can do this for my son, too. Mm-hmm. When I got my doctorate, I was like, they can see, you know, mommy's a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do hard things and we can all do them together. And and this wasn't like a cakewalk for you either, too, because Mm-mm. I know like you've shared with me like, you, you know, how you guys lived mm-hmm. in San Diego and and how, you know, you had a small home and mm-hmm. you were just to you. It was more important to like, you know, pursue the education mm-hmm. and then do all that. And it's like I think that's also a, a great part of your story because mm-hmm. people think like. Uh, at least I had the misconception before I met you is like mm-hmm. if someone's a doctor, then they had <clears> this like um, this this path to doctorship. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was smooth. And it's like you must have a lot of money if you're going to school. Yeah. Like, gosh, how can you do all that? Like, how yeah. is that a thing? But you persevered, you know, yeah. yeah, which is really awesome. So based on that, I'm sure you have heard from so many women Mm -hmm. that are like girl you are it like you're the jam (laughs) I am so inspired by you um I want to do what you do Mm -hmm. but then they're like I don't even know where to start who to talk to what Mm -hmm. even an option is it's Mm -hmm. like what do you recommend for people women that want to be like you know what I do want to go back to school get Mm -hmm. my degree whatever that looks like but I have a family I have kids Mm -hmm. I maybe I I don't make as much as I would like to to afford something like that like Mm -hmm. what are things people can do you know yeah so one thing I learned is um, it's really important to connect with your why why do you want to pursue higher education why do you want to um, you know get a degree in that program Mm -hmm. Um, why do you want to pursue this type of learning establish your why and be clear in Mm -hmm. what that is one big mistake that I made the you know better half of my educational journey was I I didn't ask for help Mm. reach out to people Mm -hmm. uh, reach out you know in a lot of the classes that I was in you know I experienced a lack of representation I didn't Mm -hmm. have a lot of Latino Latinx um, faculty that I felt like I could connect with, that I knew I, you know, I could share my story and they understood. Um, but social media is built in such a way now that we can see much more representation Mm -hmm. in academia through social media pages and platforms. You know, I'm on social media. I share a lot about the struggles and the journey and, um, the beauty and the pain of it too. Mm -hmm. So establish your why, connect with your people, connect with people that can you can relate to, mm-hmm. build your community. It does take a village. I've been supported by and inspired by a lot of different people in my field, um, especially a lot of Latinas mm-hmm. that I can see myself represented in. And then what's your capacity? So mm-hmm. I think that oftentimes we as mothers, we as you know, women of color, uh, or our quote unquote non-traditional students, which means that you don't have the financial support mm-hmm. or backing or the cultural capital or you didn't graduate in four years. These non-traditional students like myself, 
um, we are told often like, oh, you can't or you mm-hmm. shouldn't or maybe you should think about something else, you know, mm-hmm. but you need to establish clearly what is your capacity? What do you really feel that you can do mm-hmm. and you make it work? And here's the thing, too. It's like it doesn't have to be like you said in the traditional space. Right. Like, it can take there is literally nothing wrong with taking 12 years to get your bachelor's. Right. right. People assume that, oh, that's a long time. And yeah, it, it's one of those things that non-traditional, but mm-hmm. you have it now. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The time's going to pass regardless. If you wouldn't have continued, you still would have been the age you are. You still would have had the family. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but without a degree. Right. But the nice thing is, is that you persevered, you pushed through and you're like, you know what? I want this. I want this for my family mm-hmm. and I, I want to make this work. You know, mm-hmm. is there any advice as far as like steps? Because I think that's the first one, right? Is like, okay. I found my why. I found all these dope people on social mm-hmm. media that I want to follow. Do I just walk up into a college and I <laughs> make it like, what do I do? You know? Yeah. So um, the, my first step would be the, the actual practical sense would be um, look at your college website and kind of I, I developed like a pros and cons list, you know. Oh, OK. Um, what are these programs offering? What is this program offering? Mm-hmm. So there, one of the reasons why I chose ASU with one, it's not too far away from my my mom and my grandma. Like I can't live too far away from them because yeah. <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> yes. Um, and even though we don't have like a huge family network here, one of the pools for ASU was that they if I worked at ASU, they provide 80 percent tuition reduction. So oh, that's yeah. a perk that I established, that I read, mm-hmm. I researched. And so there was another program that I was thinking about and I applied to and I got in, but they didn't have that same perk. Mm. And so try to think about what does the program offer? Who is who is teaching the classes mm-hmm. that you want to pursue? Is there someone that's doing research there that you are feel inspired by? But also what are some of the benefits and supports that mm-hmm. are provided for you? Um, I think that most uh, academic institutes, because like when I started at ASU, I was still nursing my son. Mm-hmm. They had a lactation room in the in the you know in the student center, but they yeah. didn't have lactation rooms everywhere. So even as you look at different perks that ev- different institutions have, um, there might not be a hundred percent fit. Just find what makes the most sense for you. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not going to find every single thing right. on your list, but you want to find majority of them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What have you noticed as far as your academic journey? Like a lot of people assume like this is going to be so hard. Mm -hmm. This is going to be like impossible. But what is not as hard as people assume? The hardest part has always been the time management, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's very, very difficult to manage your time as a student parent, as a working student. Even I work full time. I worked full time. I taught part time in a different department. I have two kids. For the better half, the last two years of my doctoral journey, we homeschooled them, or one of the years at least. Um, So the hardest part was definitely the time management. I don't have as many tips and tools there. (laughs) I'm not good at it still, you know. You managed. You managed. I managed. You got it done. (laughs) But I think that the hardest part that I, the biggest misconception I would say is the content. Mm. When you're passionate about it and you're like, this is the, I love this stuff. Mm -hmm. I love learning about different forms of learning, different ways to acquire knowledge and different ways to help other students do the same. The content itself was not for me as difficult as I thought it was going to be. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, these are doctoral level classes. Oh my God, I'm not smart enough. You know, imposter syndrome has its crazy way of rearing its ugly head. Um, But really, I I just was inspired by this work, you know? And there's so much literature out there that you can source for inspiration. Mm -hmm. You can reach out to different scholars and be like, hey, I saw your paper. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd like to hit you up. Like, 
share the wealth, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of us are in there to support one another. And so the hardest part that I thought going in was going to be the, the, the content wasn't. Mm. And I had no idea that the time management would actually be the biggest, the biggest hurdle. Yeah, because you have yeah. to hold yourself accountable, right? Because it, it's mm-hmm. not like high school where you go to a class every day oh. and you have a homework. Yeah. It's like, all right, here's all you got to do. Get it done by the end of the year. Yeah. Is that kind of how it works? A hundred percent. And okay. also, like, I don't have the same brain I had then. You That's know, I'm true. considered an adult learner. I, I, adult learner. Let me put those into quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't absorb information at the same rate that I did. You know, spitting out 30, 40, 60 page papers was a lot more difficult. Um, And especially, you know, having kids. So I'd work until five. I'd do things with the kids. It was also very important for me to, while I was doing this for myself, that I was still helping create memories for the kids. So Mm -hmm. like enrolling them in sports and in dance and taking them to the movies and things like that. Like that was all really important for me too. So getting home, Mm -hmm. putting everybody to bed and at 9 p.m., is when the work. doctoral student clock started until mm. maybe 12 and 1. How's uh, life been post-doctoral as far as like, because <laughs> you mentioned to me before mm-hmm. that you've been a student your entire life. Yeah. And like, you know, now this is for the first time in your life, mm-hmm. you're not enrolled in schooling. Like, how's that transition been for you? It, you know, to be honest with you, it was a little difficult. Mm-hmm. I have attached so much of my identity to being a student that I experienced a little bit of a slump after defending mm. in December. You do this big high, you know, I had received this award and I'm, you know, a speaker at the Hispanic Convocation at ASU. I'm just like such a, an exhilarating high. Yeah. And then it was just like, there's nothing else. What is there to look forward to? <laughs> I was so set on this feeling being like free of everything. And I was like, damn, like I really have to reconnect with how I am living in this academic space because mm-hmm. I'm still there. I still teach and yeah. I still am a research scientist there. Um, so I'll be honest with you. I experienced a little bit of a lull, a little bit of a downtime. Other PhD mm-hmm. doctoral students have experienced the same thing. You know, we have a community of support within one another and we reach out to each other and then you just kind of come out and you're like, you know what? I don't, I, I, I don't have this, you know, feeling of being pressed to write a paper and, and do this. And so I'm yeah. now starting to, I'm on the other side now. I'm like, okay, I I did that. I did the hard thing. And now I'm learning how to uh, advocate for students. That's my new Mm -hmm. uh, shift is to advocate for students, advocate for student parents and Latinas and mothers who have, again, like I said, you know, not traditionally been super supported in this path. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing, though, is to like because you have always been a student and even though you're not one in the traditional sense, Mm -hmm. you're always still learning. You're still doing student stuff <laughs> that's even a word yeah so in some capacity you are still continuing your passion of being a student by teaching other kids mm-hmm. or other um students and and being a professor now mm-hmm. and then now taking the things that you probably felt like you lacked in the academic space and then adding your own spin to it and then now offering that to other students which i'm yeah. sure is like such an accomplishment and probably feels like you finally reached the top like you're at the top of the summit yeah it feels like the pinnacle of success for my academic dreams and it 100 percent does and you put it so well like i i'm learning now how to advocate for student I'm a huge nerd mm-hmm. I'm always reading I'm always researching I'm always yeah. absorbing information learning new ways of doing things I think that's also part of like me being a researcher yeah everything is always changing everything is being improved and like what we did two years ago in practice in academia should be different now mm. you know and mm-hmm. I think that there's sometimes we exist in these institutions of higher learning and some folks 
think it's okay to stop learning, mm-hmm. you know, because they like, oh, well, we did it two years ago. We're just going to do the same thing. No, you got to do it because the demographic change. Yes. This is, society changes. You know, we've had so many different societal shifts mm-hmm. in the last two, three years from the pandemic to mm-hmm. these, you know, uh, social justice movements. Mm-hmm. Things change, you know, and we have to do the same. So I'm really happy to be a part of this trend mm-hmm. of educators and researchers that are investing in this now. Yeah. And so I'm sure there's tons of people listening right now. And they're like, you know what, Doctora Mara Lopez, <laughs> she's so inspiring. And I would love to connect with somebody mm-hmm. like that. Or maybe because you mentioned being mentor, being a mentor yes. mm-hmm. and um, giving advice and offering mm-hmm. resources to women that are interested in pursuing higher education. Yeah. Um, is that something that you offer? Is that something that people can connect with you for? What? What? How can people like siphon <laughs> <laughs> siphon inspiration from you? Yeah. So I, I'm glad you said that. I um I have an active social media. My social media handles M O X I M A R A Moximara. I also started running this page called Academic Mujeres. You can follow me on either one. Um, I've been, you know, people have contacted me. I've had like mentors meetings and um, have even reached out to me to collaborate on conference proposals and even grants. Like I work for the National Science. I work on a lot of National Science Foundation grants Mm -hmm. and I've collaborated with other people from different institutions. And um, so just reach out to me if you want to collaborate on a grant, if you want to collaborate on a conference proposal or just hit me up if you have any questions and you want some, you know, mentorship. Yeah. Like if somebody's just like, you know what, I'm at the first stage of pursuing my bachelor's can I hit you up for some questions yes yes you're definitely great at that I remember Mm -hmm. when my husband was thinking about going Mm -hmm. back to school or or, you know he's going to be in the process I was like so Mara tell me (laughs) xyz (laughs) you're so patient and um because it can be intimidating like okay you're a doctora like you got all this education you're doing proposals and all that I'm like she don't want to hear my questions about a bachelor's (laughs) degree but you're great in that space so Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm so excited for you guys to learn more about Mara and what she has to offer and just like her inspirational story as a mother and a wife and, you know, your uh, teaching and just literally all the gajillion things that you (laughs) do. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I've appreciated it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.